First Corinthians reads like this, 4.15. First Corinthians 4.15. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Now, typically, we will take something in the spiritual and make it natural. We've preached that way, but this, the way I'm going to preach it today is I'm going to take something spiritual and I'm going to move it to the natural. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Didn't say you don't have any. <clears throat> he just said you don't have many and I, w- I want to preach to you for a little while this morning by the help of the Lord. Not many fathers. Not, everybody say that in concert with me. Say, not many fathers. All right, all together now. Man, look at this choir, man. This is awesome. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. God bless you for being here today. And those that are watching online, God bless you and your family. The psalmist echoed this lament in Psalms chapter 12 and verse 1. And the theologians don't really know exactly what season and station of life that David was in when he actually wrote Psalms 12 and verse 1. Some suspect that he was ascending to the throne. Some suspect that he was on the run from Absalom. Some suspect that it was during the rebellion of Ahithophel. But no doubt we know that this psalm or song, as we would call it, is written by David because it is ascribed to him. And the Bible says to the chief musician on the eight-stringed harp, a song of David. And if Tim were up there, which he's sitting with his family, I'd say play this song in the minor key of C today. And he said, help, Lord, For the godly man ceases. It was a plea. It was a cry. It was him reaching out. And then he says, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. What it doesn't say is he doesn't say the sons of women or not the daughters of women. He said the sons of men have disappeared from the earth. He looked around and he saw that there were no fathers, there were no men. And he said, Help, O Lord, there is an epidemic, there's a crisis, that there's no godly men to be found. And when you look and you study the scripture, God was not impartial to men in the Bible. He had strict requirements to them. And matter of fact, when Job was complaining, 
And Job was trying to question God on how the earth should be formed and how the elements should be placed. God just looked at Job and said this, stand up like a man and I'm going to answer you. He said, where were you when the foundations of the earth were laid on nothing? Can you tell me where the peacock gets its feathers or where the lion goes to rest? God was not impartial when it came to the responsibility of a man. He said, stand up, Job, and answer me and tell me since you know about how to run the moral universe, you tell me how to run the rest of the universe. God made it plain when he addressed what happened in the garden. God didn't come to Eve. God came to Adam to explain his actions first. Then it was God again who asked Eli about the actions of his son. It was, it was not his mother that God went to, but God went to Eli to ask him about the condition there in the temple. I, I've heard of some men, and I know there's not any men like this uh, in the sanctuary today, that when the bill collector comes to the house, they send the wife to go answer the door. I want to tell you, if the bill collector comes to your house, don't send your wife to the door. You stand up like a man and go and open the door and take care of the problem. I'm not getting a whole lot of amens right now. If there's a threat at the door, you don't send your wife to the door. If there's a, y'all gonna make me preach now. If there's a sound in the night, you don't sit. I'm just gonna sit here for a while, Michael. Are you with me, Michael? Is all your tribe with me today? They're all with me. How many did you bring this morning? Raise your hand if you came with Michael. <clears throat> Baby, I heard something. Why don't you get up and go check it? No, you get your lazy hide out of the bed. And you go to the door and you get the flashlight and you check it yourself and you be a man. Y'all not ready for this. I heard this week that some neighbors were complaining and they were fussing and they were fighting and they were carrying on and so they went to court and the neighbor sent his wife Shame on you. You ought to be a man. You ought to stand up like a man because kings and priests should act like kings and priests. And the psalmist was lamenting the fact that they had vanished and they are disappeared. Could I, could I ask a question to you this morning? Could the psalmist possibly see the day and the hour that we're living in and the statistics are staggering when men and fathers are gone 
63% of more suicides happen. 71% of more high school dropouts. 75% more chemical abuse, 85% more behavioral disorders, 85% more youth in prison, and 90% run away. Now listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not talking about toxic masculinity. I'm not talking about bravado and ego and machismo or however you say it. I'm talking about men being men, men being men of prayer, men of humility, men of consecration, men of repentance. That's the kind of men that God is looking for. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now. (coughs) Men that have the heart of a warrior. Men that stand up for injustice. Men that stand up for their families. Men that stand up for their wife and for their children. Men that stand up for God. Men that take a stand. Men that love their families. Men that love their wives. Men that keep on, well, I'm tired. Well, just join the crowd. We're all tired, but we're here in the house of the Lord today because we're men. And I, I, felt, I felt this in my spirit this week. And I want to say this, this stanza, this one sentence to you. That you do not have to be perfect. But you do need to be present. I, I, you may not get anything else out of this sermon But the Lord gave me the text to give you, and the Lord put this in my spirit. You don't have to be perfect, but you do need to be present. You gotta show up. You gotta be there. You gotta make the sacrifice. You gotta do whatever you got to do to be present. You don't have to be perfect, but you must be present. The Bible said in Ezekiel 22 and 30, he said, I sought for a man among them that would make up a wall that would stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I didn't find one. What does that mean to stand in the gap? This is what it means. It means to expose yourself in the protection of somebody else. To expose yourself in the protection of somebody else. I'll tell you, just in a real story. When Megan was a little girl, and she might be watching this, your daddy loves you if you're watching this, you little wild, lumpy Indian you. She FaceTimed me this morning with Atlas about 7 o'clock. She was a little girl. She was out playing in the front yard. She was just playing, running, running around, and her and Michaela did that, did that quite a bit. And I have, I've told another story about Michaela. 
wandering around, following the dog when she was just a little girl. But this time, Megan was playing in the front yard, and, you know, my, maybe I didn't have as much Holy Ghost as you got, but somebody was driving crazy in my neighborhood. This is years ago when we lived on Mom View Drive, and she was out there playing, and this, I remember it like it was yesterday, this white SUV came flying down my, flying down the street and whipped that SUV right in front of my house and when he did all I could think about was that that SUV and it actually started making its way I could, I caught it out of the corner of my eye and I I saw it turning coming up into my driveway and all I could see was my daughter in that front yard and before I knew it I had ran the window was down Oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. What, this is a hood church. Don't be acting all sanctified around me. Y'all break out in fights all the time. Don't judge me. Don't be judging me. You the one elected me, don't judge me. And I'm telling you, in a split second, I had jumped off the porch. I had ran. I didn't say, God bless you, brother. I had stuck my hand through the window of that suburban, and I was getting ready to drag him all the way out into the street. Now, I didn't say what I would have done once I got him in the street. I might would have prayed for him or something else. I want to tell you that you got to stand in the gap when there's a threat, when there's a challenge, when there's a situation. You can't stand back and be silent. You got to do whatever you got to do to protect the people that you love. God is looking for people that will stand in the gap. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now. That's the kind of men that we need. Now don't, now don't go dragging people out of suburbans. said, I looked for a man that would stand in the gap. I looked for somebody that would protect people that could not protect themselves. I looked for somebody that would defend the unborn. I looked for somebody to stand in the gap. Standing in the gap for their community. Standing in the gap for their family. Standing in the gap for somebody who can't stand in the gap for themselves anymore. You don't, no, no. You take a step forward and you stand in the gap. God is looking for men like that. <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to tell this story this morning or not. But when I was a young teenager, I was brutally robbed at gunpoint. The house that I lived in, they, they came to the door. My grandmother at the time, 
had cracked the door. In those days, they just had, they didn't have dead bolts. They just had a little, little lock. They, they kicked down the door, me, and rushed into the home. And if you've never had a gun pointed to your head and somebody said, if you move, I'm going to kill you, it changes you. It changes you. And these men, they, they, they kicked down the door. I remember the vivid, vivid, vivid detail. I remember it like it was yesterday. They kicked down, they kicked down the door. They rushed in. They taped me up. They said, if, they, if you move, if you take one step, we're going to kill you and we're going to kill everybody in the house. And they were armed. But it was what they did when, they, when she went to the door, they asked a question. And it was this. Is the man of the house at home? And the minute that she said, no, he's not here. They kicked down the door of the house. They robbed us. They taped us up. They did. I want to tell you that the man, can I speak to the man of the house? It is so important for you to be a man of prayer. It is so important to be a man of worship. It is so important when the enemy comes in like a flood and he seeks to destroy everything in your home that you will stand up and say, no, 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 no. You can't have my life. You can't have my family. You can't have my children. That's the kind of man that God is looking for. I want you to raise your hands right now. I want you to raise your hands right now. God is looking for men like that. Mark 3 and 27, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then he will plunder his house. And this is what the enemy wants to do to every single one of us. Listen to me, men. Listen to me. Spiritual fathers, biological fathers, father figures. If you're a man in this building, you have influence. Somebody's watching you. You're, you're, you, you, you have a role to fulfill. Here's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to enter. He wants to plunder. And he wants to bind you. He wants to enter, enter your house, enter your spirit, let offense, let bitterness, let apathy. He wants to come in. He wants to destroy you. Then he wants to steal everything God has ever placed in your life. But he's not done. He's not done yet. Then he wants to bind you where you can't move and you don't have, you have paralysis. God, the devil wants to do all of those things. But I believe on this Father's Day that God is raising up some men. God is raising up some men, some good men, some godly men, some righteous men. You don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be present. Can I give you some good advice today? 
Take your kids to lunch. Listen to them. Don't make them feel stupid. It's amazing. I, I, I feel perfectly comfortable because I'll be, I'll be preaching again. I'm not evangelist. People want to, oh, how, how, how do you raise, how do you raise kids? And they want to ask Dr. Spock. Nobody ever comes to ask me. They don't, they don't come ask me. How do, you, how do you raise kids that just, they love God? You think it's an accident. That they're not perfect, but you raise kids, they love God. They, they serve, they sing, they love the Lord. They're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Nobody comes and asks me about it. How, 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 did, how did that all work out? How, how'd you, well, it starts by just taking them to lunch. It talks about speaking life over them, not death. It talks about speaking faith into them, not defeat. Y'all can amen or just sit there and look at it. We're going to be here a while. It starts by praying over them every single day. Don't just take them to play sports. Take them to a prayer room and seek God with them. And living for God is not just a bunch of rules and regulations. Living for God is relationship. It is righteousness. It is peace. It is joy in the Holy Ghost. Father's Day, this great day where I'm going to get some tri-tip from the pal's house. Number one is Christmas. Everybody loves Christmas. Let's, let's talk about where Father's Day is fall. There's Christmas. Then there's Thanksgiving. Easter is before Father's Day. Statistically, more people come to Easter. Halloween beats Father's Day. Independence Day beats Father's Day. New Year's Day Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Mother's Day, Memorial Day, Labor Day. Father's Day doesn't make the top 10 of the most celebrated holidays in all of America. And you know what my prayer is? And I've I got more preaching than I got time. My prayer is help, Lord. Help, Lord. Is there any more powerful prayer in the entire Bible than help, Lord? Is there any more words that when you don't know what else to say or what else to do, you can pray that? Help, Lord. Yesha, Yahweh. Save me. Rescue me. Deliver me. Help, Lord, I want to tell you, if you can't say anything else, say, help, Lord. When I have more questions, 
than answers. Your prayers should be help, Lord. When you have more darkness than daylight, your prayer should be. When you're drowning instead of dominating, your prayer should be. When you got more losses than you got wins, your prayer should be. When you got more fear than you have faith, your prayer should be. When you're drowning on a sea of doubt, just like Peter did in the Bible, your prayer should be. Raise your hands right now all across this room and pray that right now. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help me. Musicians, come. I want, I'm preaching today to encourage you and to make you aware that you're important. Your role is important. God has called you and I to be great men, godly men powerful men and in the text he didn't say he didn't say there were no there were no fathers he said there's just not many fathers but he said I can become I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel I'm going to tell you you can become one today you may struggle you may fall, you may stumble, but you can be one. I think about two in the Bible, one by the name of Elkanah in 1 Samuel 1 and 21. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer the Lord a yearly sacrifice and his vow. Surrounded by corruption, surrounded by cultural chaos. There was this man, there was this father who chose to go up to the temple to worship and also to sacrifice. And in spite of all the problems that were going on on the outside of him, there was something also going on on the inside of him. And he had no idea that he was going to raise a prophet by the name of Samuel who the Bible said that not any of his words were ever going to fall to the ground alone. I think about Job, and you, when you get time, you go read about the life of Job in the very first chapter. The Bible said that Job rose early every morning. Somebody shout, every morning. And the Bible said that he offered an offering to the Lord for every child in his house. Every morning for every child in the house. And the Bible says this stanza, and I'm done. He said, this did Job continually. Every day. Good days, bad days, every child 
by name, calling. Maybe your children are not here with you this morning. Maybe they're, maybe they're in a different place from the Lord. They're still your children. They're still your babies. They never stop being your babies. Maybe they hadn't made all the best decisions. So do you stop praying for them? Maybe you, you know that you've asked them and they're not here. I, I, I say this not to discourage you, but to encourage you. Job just kept on believing and trusting and believing that God was going to honor this prayer. You have more influence than you think you do. Don't ever give up. And I know we're under attack on every front. I know we're under attack every single day to undermine, to emasculate, to destroy. To, I understand all that. But I would direct you to the Bible. I would direct you to the Bible, to the multitude of examples of what good men look like. Not what the world defines, but what good men and good fathers look like and what our heavenly father the Bible says in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning he is stand with me here's what I'm going to tell you I'm done no one myself included has been 100% consistent every single time. No one. There's only one that has no variableness in him. There's only one that has no shadow of turning. There's only one who every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness. And can I tell you, he's in this room right now. I want you to raise your hands right now all over this sanctuary. If it's possible, I want every man. <coughs> if it's possible, I want every man to come. Whether you're a father, whether you're a biological father, I want every man to come if it's possible. I want to pray over every man in this building. I want to pray over every role model, every example. I want to pray over you. I want to pray over your families. I want to pray over your influence. I want to pray that God would give you wisdom, that God would give you direction, that God would help you, that God would restore you, that God would forgive you, that God would help you be the kind of man the best man you can be. The best, you're just trying to be the, I want every, come on, come in close. Come on, I know you think you don't need anything, but you do. I know, I know men think, ah, oh, I don't need that. That's not for me. No, you do need this. I need it, and I know that you need it. God can help us. God can help us be better examples. God can help us to be a better witness. 
God can help us to be a better husband. God can help us to be better fathers, and he wants to do it. He wants to do it here, and he wants to do it right now. Now, I want you, we're all men here. I want you to put a, put a hand on his shoulder right now, brother to brother. We're going to sing that song again, the Thousand Generations song. Because we need the favor of the Lord to rest on every man in this church. <coughs> every spiritual father, every biological father, every role model. Let the favor of God rest on this house. Come on, men. I need you right now. I need you to be strong and faithful and committed and passionate.